And every anytime I would mention this, oh yeah, I started writing this comic book thing, you know, and every time, I, and I would explain it this way, I would say it's it's kind of like Game of Thrones meets The Office, but it teaches, um, you know, business principles about building a healthcare plan, basically. And everybody I told that to was like, dude, you have to write that. complete that yeah, yeah. project, right? But I'm here with Chris Wolpert of GBS, which is Group Benefit Solutions yep. out of Tacoma, Washington. How are you doing, Chris? Doing great, Spencer. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a pleasure. I got a chance to get to know you a little bit yesterday, not only from a business perspective, but a, a personal perspective as well. And it's been yep. fun to dig in. And now I want to tell your story on the podcast, if you don't mind. Um, and for those that are watching at home, we're going to cover Chris's comic book here in the future, which is pretty sick. But right. Chris, before we do all that, obviously you're an insurance consultant. I want to hear about what you do specifically to solve problems for employers. Before we start that, though, let's get your backstory, man. So who are you? Where do you come from? What's your career history? Things like that. Yeah. So uh, I was born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. Um, and actually, for those those people that can view this, there's there's a little uh, there's a little nugget in the comic book. Uh, the, the story is kind of centered around a, a business, which in our case is is a castle. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit more. But the, the castle that I use for inspiration is actually the high school I went to, Stadium High School in Tacoma, where it's a very famous high school for, you know, the, the big giant stadium that, that we've got. But it's also it's a big brown castle. That's what we, you know, uh, would refer to it as. But it's also in the movie Ten Things I Hate About You. So really, yes, that was that was actually That's the, that was the high school they shot or yeah. used for location. Yep, no kidding. Yeah, right? yeah. So little well, little Easter. that's a blast from the past. I mean, Ten Things I Hate About You is probably like 20, 25 years old now, right? Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to put a Makes date on it. Makes me feel old. <laughs> I was I was there when they when when we you were in high school when they shot it. Yeah, it was right after my freshman year. It was when they it was that summer that they. We're shooting. Well, I'm glad so. I knew that because I love little nuggets of trivia about people that, that I mean, that's super interesting. Not not only on top of the fact that you wrote a comic book about employee benefits, which is going to be in, interesting to dig into. But so, Chris, like, how did you find yourself in this world? Like, give me a little bit of your educational background and where you started your career. I'd love to hear. Some, yeah. Some of that. Yeah, you bet. So in I went to uh, Washington State University in, in call for college. Um, I was studying journalism and I wanted to be a sports writer. Did you really? Yeah. And um, my last semester there, I had an internship uh, covering the football team. I mean, it was it was it was awesome in a lot of ways. But I also realized through doing that that I didn't necessarily want to do that as a career. Mm. And so, you know, as most of us are that are in the insurance world, you kind of get into it by accident. And basically it was like I didn't want to go to work for a, you know, uh, a, a newspaper or whatever at the time. Um, and uh, decided to get an insurance that would just seem like, you know, there's kind of a safe gig. Yeah that you know um and well i would say that's how it started i'm but. a little bit biased but also a smart choice uh, yeah. <laughs> from a quality of life and career standpoint but what yeah. specifically did you do in insurance first uh i was in claims actually so for whom for uh progressive auto insurance okay i started so. in claims for liberty mutual oh really uh, yeah that was my first job as well really yeah 
Okay, I didn't know that. You but... and I are very soccer player too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah we're, exactly. we're friends now. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just need to start listening to heavy metal. There you go. Well, we'll get you into it. <laughs> I tried to get you into it yesterday. Right. I don't think you were quite quite uh, turned on by that uh, particular band. But so um, I didn't want to stop your your train of thought there, man. You so you started in claims. Yep. Were you uh, adjudicating like auto claims or what were you doing? Yeah. So I did a little bit of everything. I did I did auto claims. I did um, injury claims, but everything was related to auto. Um, uh, at that time, Progressive was really only doing auto insurance. They might have had um, some other stuff too, but that was really that's really what I was doing. And um, and I I I didn't like that job. I mean, that as you know, that's a tough gig, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But there's there's a couple of things I took away from that that I think have helped me in the career I'm in now, which is. Um, it was uh, one of the one of the key things that we got graded on, or one of the key metrics that we always looked at was outbound calls, right? So I, you know, that's how you were able to close claims was mm -hmm. by making outbound calls, mm -hmm. whether it was a body shop or a claimant or an insured or, or whatever, you know, just stuff that you had to do to get claims uh, closed. You you had to be making outbound phone calls, right? And so so that was a that was a really key thing. The other thing was again first job out of college taught me a lot about kind of time management and just really kind of trying to structure my day in a way that I was going to be the most productive and things like that. Um, but I did have one experience where um, I remember, you know, and when you're coming out of college, at least at that time, you know, the idea was, oh, yeah, get a good, good job with a high salary and benefits and, and PTO. And so I remember one of the times where I went to go ask my boss about, hey, I want to take off, you know, next Friday, whatever it was, a couple Fridays, uh, you know, a couple weeks or whatever. Um, but I just wanted to take off Friday. And he was like, don't you realize that's month end? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I didn't realize that. And that, you know, you had to close claims at the end of each month, right? Well, um, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and take that day off. <laughs> and he was like, no, you're not, you're not taking that day off. Like, and so that was like, that was one of the things where I'm like, you know what, I, I want to be in charge of my own time yeah you know that was has always been one of the most valuable things but i'll never forget that where it was like you got all this pto built up but then you can't use it and it's like well you know wh what's the point yeah well <laughs> come on so, so yeah. i mean you didn't immediately go from that job into starting gbs did you or did you i, no, don't, I don't know your um, story yeah. so after that um i decided i want i I wanted to get out of the insurance business, of course, but you know, it's kind of like the mafia, right? Once you're in, you're, you're in it for mm -hmm. life. <laughs> so I, uh, um, looked around, tried to find a few other gigs or whatever. I really wanted to get into sales. Okay. And so, um, I ended up going into financial advising. And so that was really kind of the beginning of sales. And I had some good sales training doing that and, um, and then kind of ended up, um, I ended up um, uh, really kind of trying to focus more so on the business market. And okay. this was 2008, 2009, 2010. Well, in 2010, um, again, focusing more on the business market, doing 401ks, key man policies, also just working with, you know, families, yeah. you know, those types of things. But um, uh, a lot of the questions that started coming up around, because 2010 was when the ACA was passed, right? So then over the next couple of years, a lot of the business owners that I would meet with or, or my clients at the time would say, hey, you know, we're really kind of concerned about what this ACA, you know, the Affordable Care Act, what this is going to mean for us. And, um, you know, so then I, I had a relationship with somebody that I was able to refer business to and things like that. Well, at one point, um, 
you know, he he had taken me out to lunch because I had referred him what turned out to be 150 life group and he went and closed it. And so he takes me out to lunch and he gave me a, um, a finder's fee check for a thousand dollars. And I thought, wow, like, and this again was early in my, yeah. my sales career. And so that, that made a big difference for me at the time. And I just kind of thought, huh, like maybe, maybe, maybe what he's doing is the way to go. And, and, and especially if he just gives you a thousand dollar check, you didn't even expect you're well, like, yeah. wait, how much is he making on this group? Right. Yeah. You probably didn't even have any context for what I, their, their I had structure no, was like. Yeah. I had no clue. I had no clue. And I, um, uh, and he had actually at that time, he'd also mentioned to me, he said, Hey, look, I'm looking at retiring here in a few years. And so I'd, I'd love to, you know, kind of bring somebody in if you know anybody type of thing. And I just thought, yeah, okay. I kind of, I still mm -hmm. had my own thing going. So I thought I'll just keep going on that. But, um, anyways, so yeah, so I, I ended up going to work for him in 2014. And, um, the idea was that, that, eventually he would ride off into the sunset and, you know, I would take the reins and that type of thing, so to speak. And, uh, so that was the plan. And then, you know, as these things go, it, it ended up kind of falling apart, yeah. um, you know, for a number of reasons, but, uh, um, but that, that was the beginning of GBS. And so that was in, um, May of 2016. So May of 2016. Okay. Yeah. So, so group benefit solutions as a brand started in 2016, right? Were, were you able to, um, absorb or assume uh, BOR in some groups? Like, did you have a block of business to speak of to start it? Uh, very, very small. I okay. had about a dozen, maybe 15 clients at the time. Um, and the other thing was with this exit from the other guy, um, I was I was always 1099. I was never an employee. He never had me sign a non-compete. So otherwise, I mean, and that was just an oversight, I think, on his part, really. But um, yeah, without those clients, and I still had some trails that I was getting from you know, life insurance sales mm -hmm. and trails that I was getting on some of the assets under management, because I still was running my financial services practice, even when I started working okay. with him. Um, and so, um, yeah, so just, you know, a dozen group clients yeah. and, and was the, the financial service practice still in, in existence? Or was that absorbed by GBS? Is that still something that you uh, do? No. So okay. yeah, I dropped my licenses a while okay. ago and things like that. Yeah, it was after I started GBS, I was kind of still doing a little bit of both. Um, but I just found that it was too much to try to keep up on all that. And I, I what I saw was that really, this is what I enjoyed doing the most, mm. the, the group business. I see. And, um, and I felt like it was going to be long term, much more profitable, um, and things like that. So, uh, you know, financial advisors are a dime a dozen. And, uh, and I love them. I work with there's a lot that I, you know, I'm able to have them as referral partners now. Yeah. And so that's, that's extremely valuable. But if I was trying to do all that, and you know, and, and keep your licenses, and there's just so much, so much you know, just stuff that you've got to do. Right. To, to and you can't serve two masters either. Right. So you kind of, right. you put your heart and soul into to the benefits practice. Right. And obviously that was a, was a great choice. At Granite Peak Analytics, our passion is to educate payers and advisors to make informed PBM choices through independent data and unmatched expertise. Our unique ability to effectively eliminate prescription overspend for both plans and patients ensures our advisor clients win and retain business with pharmacy levers. Our role regularly evolves and adapts to meet the unique needs of each client in the rapidly changing pharmaceutical market. We are self-funded experts with a hyper niche on the overly complex world of pharmacy. Our objective approach and full transparency of consulting fees delivers rare financial alignment with our customers. Check out what our clients have to say at granitepeakrx.com.
I'd love to hear about, even if you pull back from insurance, right, or the benefits consulting world, just broadly entrepreneurship. So yeah. talk to me about early stages, life, stresses, what oh. it was like to create the business and put the structure in place. I'd love to hear a little bit of that. that yeah. So, so May 2016 was when I started GBS. Um, and in September of 2016, we found out that um, my wife was pregnant with kiddo number three. Okay. Who's our, our bonus baby. Bonus he's, baby. Was yeah. it, I, we don't like to say that he wasn't planned or he was an accident or whatever. So he's our bonus, bonus baby. Yeah. Um, but well, everybody yeah, so, likes getting a bonus. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. I enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, two life changing things within, you know, a few months of well, each other was so funny, man. That's so how stressful. life seems to work, dude. It does. There's yeah. never like one life changing moment. They always come in pairs or come in threes. It's happened to me yep. a couple times in my life as well. I think it's just life saying, hey, you're about to shift gears and you're about yeah. to get be tested. So it's it's time to really test yeah. you, right, to, to grow. <laughs> and so so I'm sure that you had some moments of like, ah, oh, what did I do? But also like some, I'm sure some successes along the way that helped keep you on that track, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and be, having having been a financial advisor first, um, I definitely, that was, you know, that's very much a roller coaster, especially in those early days. And particularly because when I got into that, 2008, 2009, two, you know, these weren't exactly the greatest years to be a financial advisor, right? So mm -hmm. I went through a lot of that. And so I was, and, and just from, you know, playing soccer and, and just, you know, life and stuff, I've kind of learned that, you know, you're not going to, whatever you're doing, whatever you're kind of passionate about and whatever your goal is, you're not going to be passionate about it or excited about it every minute of every day. Right. right? right. And so I was able to, to, um, you know, just kind of, I, there's sometimes, you know, you just can kind of go into a place where it's like, okay, I'm not super excited about this, but I, I have to do this. Yes. Right. It's about, it's about well, doing also, those things. It's almost like a certain amount of stoicism, right. Or being right. A stoic, right. It's like there's ups and downs of every single day. And especially if you're an entrepreneur, literally, one, at the morning, you might go, oh, my business is going to fail. The afternoon, you win a client that doubles yeah. your block of business. And all of a sudden, you're, you're singing your own you're praises golden. and you're, I'm, I'm a genius, <laughs> right? And that happens all the time. Um, right. So you have to be able to keep a certain even keel throughout, no matter how good or bad it seems on any given basis. Yeah. And that, and I actually, you read my mind. That's where I was going with this is one of the things I really did get into quite a bit was is stoicism and, yeah. and reading Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and all these guys. Um, and, and Ryan holiday, obviously yeah, he's got yeah. a bunch of stuff out there. So, um, yeah, got really into that and still maintain that practice today. I read a daily stoic passage and then I've got my little, uh, journal or whatever. I'll, you know, write a couple things in there, you know, um, along those lines. But, uh, but yeah, that was a big part of it too, of just kind of keeping me sane. And it, and it was also something that I was doing that. And then the pandemic hits and I kind of mm -hmm. just kept this practice going. So I've got, um, you know, notebooks that are going back five years or so now. That's amazing. That, yeah. And that's, again, that was a big part of what kind of kept me sane. And, and I think it's, you know, it's one of the things is that, um, you know, obviously nobody wants, because I think I'm just by design or whatever, just more of a optimistic, positive person in, in general. And, and that's great. Um, but I think the thing that's great about stoicism, one of the things that I've learned through that is that, um, yeah, you don't want to get low. You don't want to be a pessimist. You don't want to, you know, allow yourself to kind of succumb to that. But you also don't want to get so full of yourself too, right? Like when you do have these big wins, it's like, okay, this this is here today, but it could be gone tomorrow. Right. You could be gone tomorrow, right? right? And that's kind of, that's a big principle that um, I think kind of drives, but it also just kind of 
sometimes it puts those emotions in check if you're not um, uh, just uh, it puts those emotions in check when when um, you know when they're not serving you. Yeah, absolutely, right? man. I think I would agree with you. Right? It's like I couldn't imagine being emotionally unstable while simultaneously trying to build a business. Right? You're, yeah. You're gonna burn it down no matter whether you're celebrating, over celebrating, or or stressing out about right. things that are going poorly. So you do have to just really be stable. And I think yeah. that's, I, I agree with you that stoicism sort of offers the tools to, to be able to do that. So I do want to talk, uh, there's two things that I want to make sure we cover in the last 25 minutes or so. Definitely your consulting practice, okay. but also you have created a little bit of a social media following and identity. And of course, I think that's where your, your comic uh, comes in as well. So I'll leave it up to you. We're kind of going down the path of business. So if you want to continue talking about GBS, we can talk about that or we can shift gears into consulting, but I do definitely, or this, but I do want to cover both. So. Yeah. Pareto Health is the manager of the largest employee benefits group captive in the United States. And it's also now the main sponsor of the Self-Funded with Spencer podcast. I chose to partner with Pareto Health for three main reasons. Number one, their dedication to improving the world of health benefits. Number two, their mission to reduce volatility and to make self-funding simple for mid-sized employers. And number three, the strength and scale of their program. With over 2,300 member groups and more than $1 billion of stop-loss premium under management, Pareto Health is the most robust solution of its kind in the country, period. Stay tuned for more information because I'm sure I'll be featuring them on an episode of the podcast very soon. Visit Pareto Health at ParetoHealth.com or follow them on LinkedIn to stay up to date on the latest news and developments. Let's start with consulting. Okay. I, yeah, because this the, the book is you know designed to be a, a marketing tool, really, okay. ultimately. Yeah. So at, at GBS, our, our mission is to uh, modernize healthcare by eliminating employees' out-of-pocket expenses while simultaneously guiding them to the highest quality healthcare. Uh, the best part is there are bottom line savings that are generated, not just for those employees, but for the organizations that we work with. And we can take work off of the HR team's plate through our process as well. Um, and so, uh, so, so knowing that, you know, obviously that, that it's taken me a while to kind of arrive at that, that value proposition. Yes, yeah. Um, so there, yeah, there was a lot of work that was done in that, but I, what I really wanted to be able to do as an independent um, firm is, you know, you've, you've got to have a way that you can compete with these, these big national firms and stuff like yeah. that. Right. So you, you have to be first, best or different in business. Right. And um, I, I, one of the things that I saw, you know, several years ago is at least I didn't see, there was a lot of people that were doing the cost containment, the, the modernization of healthcare, the next gen, the yeah. health rosetta, you know, those, those types of uh, strategies. I didn't see a lot of that. So that was a way to be different. different that sure. was, you know, that was a way. And, and the other thing was, um, I really wanted to write a book and, and use some of my journalistic, uh, you know, uh, my journalism, you know, make my mom happy by, you know, finally actually, actually using, using my degree. So, um, it, it was one of these things where I wanted to write a book and use that as a marketing tool and use that as a way to position myself and those types of things. And so um, I started to write a book about um, uh, health insurance in the post-ACA world. And I was writing the outline, and I vividly remember this too, writing the outline, and I'm looking at just, just at this outline I had for each of all these chapters and stuff like that, and I thought, 
dude, nobody's going to want to read this. I don't even want to write this. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. If, so... if you found yourself like it's sucking the joy out of your life to write it, you're like, who's going to read that then yeah. if that's the case? Yeah. Yeah. So you had this like, oh, crap moment, if you will. That yep. Did you, you kind of hit pause? And what, did you immediately know you wanted to turn it into some sort of hero's journey visual comic book or was it? Well, yeah. So that kind of happened in stages. So okay. what happened there was um, I at that time, I was listening to a lot of podcasts about writing a book and, you know, self-publishing and doing all these types of things. Um, and this was before I had, you know, joined the mastermind and stuff like that too. And so I was kind of trying to do all this on my own. And one of the podcasts I listened to, uh, this guy was talking about how you, you can write a business book, but you can actually make it into like a hero's journey story. You know, you use Joseph Campbell, the hero with a thousand faces kind of, um, formula mm -hmm. of, uh, of, of how to tell, to tell a story. And I thought, oh man, that, that would be cool, right? That would be different. That would be, you know, could be re really a lot of fun. And, um, and, and then um, I, so I kind of noodle on that some more and kind of thought about that for a while. And then I kind of arrived at the idea of, cause I was already doing a lot with virtual assistants, using Fiverr, using all these different services and stuff. And I started to look up um, uh, comic book art on, on Fiverr. And I realized like, Hey, I could write a story and, but I could make it a script and then turn that into a comic book and then hire somebody on Fiverr mm -hmm. to write, to, to do the artwork. Right. Wow, and yeah. so that's, that's how, that's what I did basically. Well, judging was, by the cosmetics of this, I don't think you only paid $5 for something no, on Fiverr. No, no. Yeah. Just, you obviously <laughs> got a very skilled person to do that. I was just saying, asking, you know, obviously this book has a dual purpose, right? It fulfills ah, a creative yes, okay. purpose for you. But certainly this hero's journey is to maybe guide an employer along to the conclusion that I should hire Chris as my broker. Right? Yeah. yeah. So, so what I, what I did was, you know, cause in, in our, in our business, you're, you're selling really to two main, main personalities. There might, might be more, but you're really, you're ultimately, you're selling to HR and you're selling to finance mm -hmm. or a CFO, right? So what I wanted to do was not just have one hero, but have two heroes, one was the HR director, and then one is the CFO um, of the castle, right of the uh, uh, of the business, and so um, so I I wanted to have and and typically in a hero's journey story you've got um, you've got a, a catalyst hero and you've got a reluctant hero, mm -hmm. and so I kind of tried to have each one was you know one was more reluctant and then one was kind of more of a catalyst, kind of pulling ever pulling the other one along, and they kind of have their own their own, you know, rat-a-tat type of thing. Right. Um, but, and there's different, there's, uh, different values for each of those different mindsets for, for HR. It's, it's much different than obviously with a CFO. And so I wanted to be able to speak to both of those personalities and, and in, in the story and in the education and, and that type of thing. But I also, I wanted to have something that was different. That was a pattern interrupt again, right. Mm -hmm. Is to have something that that gets attention because there are, there's other, there's a lot of other benefits, people that have written books and that's great. And, um, but I think, you know, to, to differentiate, to have a comic book that I'm giving out to somebody is a lot more memorable than, oh yeah, this guy gave me a book or, or this gal gave me a book type yeah. of thing. And so, um, so that was part of it. Also, I think it's in, in our industry, it's, um, 
it's hard to have your personality come out sometimes, right? Insurance mm-hmm. is very dry. It's, you know, kind of dull, right? Like, let's be honest. And so to have something that was a little bit exciting, also in this case with a comic book, typical comic book is usually 22 pages, right? So it's also very short. So if I hand somebody a 200-page book, you know, they may not You're almost ever... handing them an obligation. Like, right. you, you have to read this and do homework. And they're like, what? Who are you? Why, why do I should I read your book? I, I do agree that there's a, I wouldn't say a lower barrier to entry. That's unfair to the effort that you put into this. But the time commitment, obviously, yeah. is much less. Well, but that was by design, too. Yeah. Right? Because somebody could thumb through this in, in you know, just in a couple of minutes and kind of get the gist. Have, you know, there's some, you know, the artwork is great. This The person I found was, was fantastic. And, um... Uh, but they could, if somebody actually did just sit down and read through it, you could read through it in 20 minutes. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, like, well, that. why don't we do this, Chris, since we're already referring to it and talking about it, I don't want to beat around the bush. Like what is the name of your comic book? And if, for those of that you are, are watching the podcast, we'll definitely give you some of the, the visuals as well. If you're just listening, if you want to pause and go ahead and hop on the YouTube version of this, but I definitely want you to see what Chris created, but tell me the name of your comic book. And if you don't mind sort of showcasing it for a moment as well. Yeah. So it's called hit zero, the quest to make healthcare a controllable expense mm-hmm. and um, um why, don't you, yeah, why don't you raise it up too and then yeah, that yeah. Way can show yeah, yeah absolutely to? so um uh yeah so i, I found a, a uh, on fiverr I, I ended up finding a um an artist that that did all this this work so that's usually one of the first things that somebody asks is like hey did you do all this and i'm like no i'm responsible for the story the script you know that yeah. type of thing but obviously i had somebody else do it but um the 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 there one interesting story that I think you you definitely want to touch on is uh, the Wolpertinger. Yes. So, Please tell me what a Wolpertinger is. Yes. So as in every hero's journey story, right? You've always got a guide, and this was this goes back to story branding. Donald Miller, his his um, fantastic book on marketing, um, which I, I read that that came out around the time that that I started this project, right? And um, uh, you know, just kind of trying to rack my brain of. How do I, because I, I, what I wanted to be able to do is have kind of the shadow figures or the, you know, the, the enemy being, uh, maybe not the enemy, uh, being brokers or traditional brokers. And that's where I use the jackalope as the traditional brokers. Um, and again, they're kind of a mythical creature. They're, I did some reading on them too. And it, there's kind of an entrepreneurial spirit that, you know, all these kinds of things, because they were basically created by some taxidermists in Wyoming years and years ago. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, they came up with this jackalope thing, and it's kind of, you know. So, this thing, the, the Wolpertinger, is something that is in the forest of Bavaria, all the way over in Germany. I found out about this from a guy on LinkedIn that was originally from Germany. He was in the UK, and um, we, we'd been connected on LinkedIn, and he asked if I knew about the Wolpertinger. And I'm like, no. And again, this is in the midst of when I'm writing this. And I was, still wasn't settled on uh, the guide character. And that's obviously, I needed to be the guide character because again in Donald Miller uh, um, in the story brand book um, you you as the salesperson or you you as the offering a product or service need to be the guide mm-hmm. and your prospect or you know the the people that you're working with are they they need to be the hero right um, and so uh, I'd been just kind of trying to figure out how exactly I do that, what exactly these characters are going to be. And that's when I decided to do the jackalopes and then the Wolpertinger, which is kind of like a jackalope. I mean, in, from the perspective where, um, you know, it's this little bunny, basically, but it, and it's got the uh, antlers. 
but it also has owl wings. It's got these fangs. It's, you know, got these bright red eyes and all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of this like weird mythical creature. Um, and I think that for a long time, you, you know, again, just going back to the parallels with the business, um, there's a lot of CFOs and HR people out there that have just thought there's no way to control healthcare costs. There's nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. And so along comes this mythical creature that they didn't actually think existed, right. To be their guide on this journey and, and, um, you know, help them, you know, cross through and, uh, you know, just go through the ordeal. Lead them and, to the promised land, right? Right. Or, or exactly. Lead them home, if you will. So like, exactly. is Wolpert Tinger, is that, Wolpert is your last name, right? right? Is that is it is your name a derivative of this creature? Or is there a relationship at all there? I, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to ask. My I mean, great, that's great... oddly close. <laughs> like, I almost question: Is your name actually Wolpert at this point? Like, is this a stage name? Because that's oddly like on the nose. But how right. how cool is that to discover that through the journey of writing this book and go? Well, that's clearly it. That's yeah. the name of my guide, right? Yep. That's and so yes, cool. and that's that's basically what happened. As soon as I, you know, he mentioned this thing to me on a on a LinkedIn message, and um, I looked at I looked into it, and and it, it was it was like this aha moment yeah, where it was like, like yeah. that's it. Yeah. I mean that that's what I've been waiting for this whole time is to figure that out. Well, so. do you have any stories from a business perspective that you can share of like giving this to a prospect and walking them through this journey and ultimately becoming a client? I mean, I'm sure yeah. you've had that happen. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, you know, it, again, it's it's always something that that gets attention um and and it, it, it is memorable and mm -hmm. w whether that's tipped the scales for me or not i i don't know but it's certainly you know as as a um as a salesperson obviously you want to be uh known liked and and trusted right that's how oh, yeah. you that's how you uh that's how you earn new business and and i think it goes a long way to be able to do that right and and, and then on the back here too i did this um the author bio where i basically if you read through this and you look at it carefully, it I I take you through my hero's journey, right? So I get a little bit vulnerable there, but but basically take you through my hero's journey, and and I think that that's something that is people are able to relate to. Oh yeah. I, I talk about you know how yeah, I failed, I made mistakes and things like that, obviously, and and will continue to do so, I'm sure. But um, it's I I think it's it's just again a way to 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 be relatable and a way to really cut down really quickly on um being known liked and and trusted absolutely man and i hope i hope somebody even listening to this is inspired by you did something that was very unique and creative to you right and yeah. obviously with the way that you studied the way that you what you've read you were able to weave this story in because of that's that's your area of interest right but I, i'm hopeful that you will might inspire somebody else in our industry to go do something a little bit outside the box do something a little creative right like you want to be memorable you want to be successful you probably have something within your personality that is unique or interesting that you could mine and you could use to, to not only benefit yourself but probably fulfill yourself as well and i yeah. think i'm sure there's a certain level of a sense of pride or satisfaction or fulfillment that that came as uh, from the completion of this right yes yeah um because I, you know again i started i actually started writing it in 2016 and um put it on the shelf i was part of a different book project uh next generation healthcare that mm -hmm. i wrote with a bunch of other mastermind partners so I'd put this on the shelf for a while, but I there was a few people I had told about it, and every anytime I would mention this, oh yeah, I started writing this comic book thing, you know, and every time I, and I would explain it this way, I would say it's it's kind of like Game of Thrones meets The Office, but it teaches, um, you know, business principles about building a healthcare plan, basically. And everybody I told that to was like, dude, 
you have to write that. complete that yeah, yeah. project, right? Um, so yeah, if you, I mean, and if you saw some of the early drafts, so I probably, I had about six drafts um, before I arrived on the final one. And if you saw some of those early drafts, like I, I still have some of them now, like saved on my computer and I'm like, oh my gosh, that was a terrible story. <laughs> right? So it just, it goes through its own evolution over time. And, um, well, and you have to be able you know, to like sort of disentangle yourself from the, like the emotion of all that effort you put into, if you could look at it and go objectively, that's not very good or that's not very yeah. interesting. You need to be able to abandon that and yeah. rework it or rewrite it. Because if you know that even being the person that wrote it, that you didn't find it interesting, then clearly again, nobody's going to read it. So you have to be able to detach yourself from that emotional, uh, component. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then what? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah, stoicism. Then, what's that? I said stoicism. It is. Yeah, to be yeah, again. Yeah. Coming back full yeah. circle. Yeah. <laughs> well, what were you going to say? I didn't mean to. Uh, sorry. Oh, I threw uh, you off there. Oh, no. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it I had put it on the shelf for a few years and then um, it was during the pandemic. Here, so here's here's the other thing that, you know, for anybody with kids out there, um, I had made the mistake of mention, you know, of my kids knew I was writing this book. And so my, my oldest daughter, um, at the time she was, you know, the pandemic hits and stuff. And she was like, dad, did you ever like write that comic book or whatever? And I was like, no. And at that point I'm like, all right, now I need to do it. Mm -hmm. I need to show, you know, I need to be, you know, I, I need to show my kids that I, I'm going to follow through on this. Right. right? Yeah. So, um, so anyways, that was what kickstarted it again. And then having a little bit more time at home and things like that, I just thought, all right, now's, now's the time to do it. Well, so. let's talk a little bit about your specialty though. I do want to cover a little bit of what you do as a consultant that you yep. think you said you're either first better or different, right? And right. I, I would suggest you're probably a combination of different and, and better or best at something. Um, but what, what really do you specialize in? Cause we can't be all things to all employers. So you have a niche. So what is the niche that you sort of serve? PlanSight is a complete game changer in the world of insurance brokering. As a broker, you know how time-consuming and error-prone the traditional RFP process can be. But what if I told you there's a better way? PlanSight is the only end-to-end -end RFP solution on the market made specifically for benefits agencies. It's like having a superpower that gets you an average of eight to 10 hours back per employer renewal per year. And the best part? PlanSight supports all carriers, all funding types, and all group sizes for over 20 different benefits. If you're ready to make your RFP process faster, more efficient, and more profitable, it's time to call PlanSight. Visit PlanSight.com now to book a free demo and discover the future of insurance renewals. Um, you know, I've, I've got a few different... Um you know, I, I, marketing broadly to employers. And, and a lot of this, it started in, um, you know, I mean, it, again, in Tacoma, Washington. So most of the, the groups I was working with were there in Washington. Um, kind of started to expand beyond that. Even prior to the pandemic, I started marketing to groups in Idaho and down in Oregon and stuff like that. But um, what I've, I've done is I've through the LinkedIn stuff and through my own direct message campaigns or email campaigns and things like that. Um, I've been really been able to expand beyond um, just Washington. Okay. And so, so that's been something that's been important. You know, really what I'm looking for is those groups that align with our mission to modernize healthcare. Cause there's plenty of groups out there that just want to renew with sure. UHC every year or whatever. And that's fine. Um, I'm not necessarily their guy. I can do that. We obviously we're a full service brokerage. We can do those things, 
But what really gets me excited is when we've got a group where I've, I've got an example where um, was meeting with uh, a CEO and uh, you know and um, and it just kind of asked him a few questions to to begin with and just kind of said you know what what is it that you'd like to see right and he had the best answer that I've had to date at this point and he said I want people to feel like when they come to work for us like they've made it right they're working for a, a fantastic company with an amazing culture they've got uh, the best compensation package they're going to have and uh, and that includes great benefits and it's like okay that's great that's somebody i can work with because then it's like it's very much easier to tell the story of modernizing healthcare or hitting zero in the and for anybody who reads the story you'll know that hit zero means hitting zero in terms of deductible co-pays co-insurance um, when you can zero those things out for employees, right? When you can eliminate those, guiding people to higher quality healthcare, um, that's ultimately those who that's who we want to work with. Okay. Now um, we can do that even if a group is still fully insured. So we've got a few solutions that we can provide that will we can still eliminate deductibles and copays and things like that. We just did that actually last month um, uh, for a group, and it doesn't matter if they're small or large, right? So I'm still. I would say pretty relatively early in my career, and um, I'm not necessarily, you know, turning away business or anything like that because I'm too busy. Yeah. But um, you know, I'm always trying to find a way that we can bring these solutions that are normally reserved for those thousand plus life employers. We can bring that down to the mid market and even to the small oh, market yeah. as well. That's so, what I love. There's so much opportunity in that space that, you know, yeah. I, I don't want to advocate for it too much because I know obviously that creates competition for you, but I, I do think brokers should look at that space as just absolutely blue ocean because yep. they're not getting the types of conversations that you're having with them. They're not being brought the solutions to zero out deductibles and co-pays and then right. still control costs simultaneously. So if you're able to tell that story and you're able to implement those things, to execute on those things, you can win a lot of business that way because you're just telling a better story. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've been able to expand beyond, again, just Washington by, um, by you know, having this message um, generally for, you know, private employers or, or non-profit, whatever, but, uh, but also um, uh, for certain industries, certain segments, right? So we've got some very specialized um, uh, kind of markets that we're we're marketing to as well, and again, it just kind of cuts down that the time that it takes for you to be known, liked, and trusted if you've got something for a specific uh, industry. So, one, I'll give an example if that's okay. Yeah, of course. Um, TacticalHealthPlans.com is one of one such landing page where you know we uh, go to the shot show every year. Um, promote tactical health plans, meeting with a lot of these different uh, gun manufacturers and firearms industry folks and things like that. And when there's something that's specifically designed for them, um, it, it it really cuts down on uh, the time that it takes for you to be known, liked, and trusted within that industry. And if it's something that they believe has been created for their industry, which it has in all these cases, um, it uh, uh, it makes them want to say, okay, well, maybe there's something to this, right? And then, um, you know. You really like niche down. It's like doubling down almost on a niche, right? right? To get very specific 
about who you serve so that it does actually feel like you're speaking to them, right? Yeah. You're actually communicating in their language. You understand the problems that particular type of business might have and might need right. to solve for. Um, and so if I am a business owner and I hear somebody say those things, I'm like, oh, he's, he's literally speaking to me. So I think that's almost bucks the notion of, hey, I'm just going to try to appeal to everybody or right. I'm going to go, yeah, I could do that or I could do yours. But realistically, you do have area of expertise and specialty and you should try to actually attract customers that that would relate to. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to, I want to, if you don't mind, we got a couple minutes left and I don't want to redirect you too much, but I do want to cover the fact, Chris, that you have been known. You mentioned no like, and trust. You've become known and liked and trusted <laughs> for some of your dad jokes and some yep. of your Friday fables on LinkedIn. So could you tell me a little bit about how those things came to be and how that might have benefited you as a consultant? ClaimDoc is a medical claim auditing and member advocacy company. We provide fiduciary services to employer-sponsored benefit plans, allowing them to create an environment where we ensure that the benefit plans are being charged in a fair and reasonable basis. My business is basically people, and it become a real simple transition. We thought it was gonna be far more complex. I've saved, we'll say, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I could not say enough about ClaimDoc. Yeah, yeah, so the Friday Fables was something that came about. There was a mentor of mine that used an Aesop's Fable to illustrate a point about, um, about health insurance. And I thought, oh man, that's really clever. And at that same time, again, my oldest daughter um, was um, doing, she was in the drama club at, at her elementary school and they were doing this play that was centered around Aesop's Fables. And, um, and that's where I kind of got the idea and obviously having worked with um, some other people that are pretty prominent on social media, um, Eric Silverman, mm -hmm. um, you know, he'd been encouraging me to, to post on LinkedIn more. And so for me, it was kind of this built in accountability where it was like, okay, I could do a Friday fable, right? And post a fable every Friday. Um, and so it had this like ongoing, it was, wasn't necessarily a series, but it was something that was just going to hold me accountable to, yeah. all right, I'm going to show my face on video. I'm going to do this. This is uncomfortable, whatever, but I'm just going to, um, you know, I'm just going to get over it and do it. And so, yeah, so I started doing that. That was uh, kind of like mid-2019. Um, and I've, you know, kept that going. So I've got, you know, hundreds in my library now of... Uh, of, I've uh, seen I've seen dozens of them, man. Yeah. I mean, I definitely love them. And what it speaks to, if you don't mind me sort of commenting on that, and maybe to Eric's point, is Eric, and I'm sure when he comes on next, he'll, he'll talk about um, his style his tactic of, of talking yep. about the what today is donut day or today is national you know, literary day i don't know whatever right. and so he started doing that as a way to to build the following and what it speaks to to me is you don't have to overcomplicate this thing uh no this, you know, pick something yep something you're it. interested and just go <laughs> do it like i mean if i could say anything on this podcast pick something and just go do it you don't even have to have the end in mind no just simply pick something that go oh that makes sense and just go try it, right? right? Worst case, it doesn't work or nobody pays attention. Well, guess what? Nobody even noticed at all. Yeah. So so you picked that and it gave you a thing to do, right? Yeah. It gives you something to be accountable for. But now, oh, on Fridays, I know exactly what I'm preparing for on, on Fridays. Right. Now, when did the dad jokes come in? Because I started noticing the dad jokes recently yeah, as well. Yeah, I don't know when exactly that started, but I do remember one of the first ones I posted. So I, I found, I, I posted a few that were 
they were dad jokes, but they were also related to healthcare in some ways, right? So those are the ones that I was posting initially, and um, my engagement on those was like through the roof. Oh yeah, yeah, through the roof. And I'm like, dude, this is this is better than the fables thing, right? Because at that point, I was you know, going to conferences and stuff and people would, oh yeah, you're the fable guy. I've seen you on LinkedIn, right? Exactly. Type of thing. Um, and that was kind of what I'd been known for, but now tenfold it's, it's dad jokes every time. Um, and, and it's funny cause like every time it's like, um, you know, even when I, even people back home and stuff like that, like I was at a marketing event last week and, um, you know, you all, everybody gets a chance to introduce themselves. And so I'm up introducing myself and this guy yells out, Hey, give us a dad joke. Yeah. You know? So it's become part of my persona. Well, now, what's funny about that is like, whether you're seen as the dad joke guy or the fables guy, you have an identity that's recognizable. Right. And so the, the, the counter to that is like, who's that guy? I don't know who that is. I think I recognize him, but yeah. you have an identity. What actually happens though, in cultivating that identity is go, Hey, what do you actually do? Right. Yes. But the, you stimulate a curiosity. Like I recognize Chris and Chris does this and I like him for that reason or whatever. Yep. But it's like, hey, what do you actually do? I think that's far superior to going, well, I don't know who that is and I don't care what he does. Like you, yeah. you've you've created an interest into what you do through the mechanism of having interesting content on yep. LinkedIn. And so I just want to celebrate you for that. I want to say good job because it's caught my eye. I'm sure it's caught thousands of other people's eyes. And I'm sure, again, that it's actually benefiting your business simultaneously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I, we got to wrap up because we got a lot of content today. And I appreciate you jumping on, Chris. But any closing thoughts that you want to leave the audience with or a call to action of any sort? It's totally your floor. Yeah. Um, maybe a dad joke. Please, would you would you bless us with a dad joke? Yes, I'll yeah. do a dad joke and then I'll do my favorite fable. Okay, cool. Um, how much does a pirate have to pay to get his ears pierced? I don't know. A buccaneer. <laughs> <laughs> Is that your favorite? Is that like your pull it out of the pocket? That's my favorite. Uh, I dad used that one yesterday, so yeah. it was the first one that came to mind. Yeah, I love that one, man. But. Um, uh, yeah. Okay. And then my favorite fable, I always like to tell this, um, I've been asked to, to do this at a couple of conferences and different things like that is, uh, the crow and the pitcher. And there's actually a reference to that in, in the comic book as well, um, okay. in hit zero. Uh, so the crow and the pitcher goes like this. There's a crow that's on a very long journey, uh, flying across the countryside and gets thirsty and needs to stop for a drink. So the crow spots a garden, flies down to the garden, and uh, there's a pitcher that's sitting on a, on a table there. Well, um, the crow tries to stick her beak in the pitcher to take a drink of water, and she can't reach it. So she kind of thinks for a moment, and she starts to scramble around and goes and starts to pick up pebbles off of the ground and drop pebbles in one by one by one into the pitcher. Until, and what it does is it makes the water level rise so that the crow can uh, dip her beak in and get a drink and then continue on her journey. And the moral to the story is that necessity is the mother of invention. Mm. And, and I think that as entrepreneurs, that's what we're doing, right? We're putting these pebbles into the pitcher to fill up the, the to, to raise the water level so that we can get replenished. Right. And it's this whole idea of um, just finding a way, right? Just, you just have to find a way, to do it. And, um, and typically most of the best businesses that are out there are ones that were created out of a need that somebody oh, absolutely. saw. Right. So. All yeah. right. So 
we'll definitely make that into a clip. And I maybe Perfect. just throw uh, Nathan an opportunity to maybe come up with some cool visuals to support that as well. Maybe we'll give you a nice little standalone fable with some nice B-roll and stuff like that. I to, love it. To, uh, so we'll, we'll get that over to you. But Chris, you're the dad joke extraordinaire, the fantastic <laughs> fabler, and you're the founder of GBS and also the author of Hit Zero, The Quest to Make Healthcare a Controllable Expense. So, Chris, appreciate you coming on, man. It's been a pleasure and can't wait to hang out with you afterwards as well. Awesome. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate my, it. My pleasure, man.